Paul is going to make it clear in these final verses. You're not left empty. But there is hope. I don't know where you are today. Some of you are in really good spots. You know, some of you are like hungry like in there. We're, we're living pretty good, aren't we, boys? Yeah. You haven't gotten hungry yet, have you? By the choice of uh, outside your own. He's thinking, well, I can use a dollar or two right now. <laughs> All right? We, most of us, live pretty good. Okay? Some of you are facing struggles. You're in the midst of struggles. Maybe it's sleep deprivation, you know, because uh, of little ones. You know, we got, yeah, I got, you know, you're, you're going three and a half. I love that. That's what I mean. You know, others of you are like, you're on the opposite end of life, and you also understand the idea of sleep deprivation. If you can sleep for four hours for that, I'm not going to get up and run with the little boys and girls from you. Good. All right? You know, it's interesting how life comes around, isn't it? We can do this. We have hope on things. And, and I don't want us to rush through this chapter too much, so I really think taking a day chunk. Because Paul is going to reiterate everything he has been saying up until now. And he's going to repackage it one more time to say, get this, don't miss this. And as we get into Holy Week, I think it's, it's important for me to remember that I can't miss this. i got to sit in this envy so I can turn to it. So I can appreciate tomorrow. So let me start with a passage that isn't in, a verse that isn't in our passage, but I think most of us probably know this. John 3.16. So uh, read it with me uh, as we uh, join together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know this. Many of you memorized it from when you were a little baby or below, you know. Uh, many of you, this is nothing big. But it is foundational for remembering this morning. There's all, I think, uh, the gospel can be wrapped up into this uh, verse. I think the next verse is really important. Uh, but I'm not going to go there this morning. John gives us this verse to lay it out. But Paul has been unpacking basically this verse in the book of Galatians. He talks about love a lot. And we know about his unique son. And, and the word that is different than all the others is whoever. Whoever means what? Everyone. Anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, whoever. Everybody will say, Jordan, which neighbor are you going to turn to? You know. You can help me, okay? Whoever. Whoever. Good one. You know. All right. Whoever. Anyone. Everyone. All who believe. Paul would say it this way, there's neither Greek nor Jew, nor male nor female, nor circumcised nor uncircumcised, or in our passage this morning, he talks about how, uh, you know, in verse 15, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters, but only being a new creation. We need to be reminded again and again that whoever is whoever. We are people of second chances, not because someone deserves it, 
but because Christ gave us a second chance. Jesus alone saves anyone and everyone. Period. That's it. The book of Galatians, to some extent, has one very small phrase. And if we remember this, we see the importance of what Paul is getting ready to say. And it's a phrase that I don't know where I learned it. I don't know if I read it through the works of one of the reformers, of Martin Luther, John Calvin, or Swingilly, or others, but it's this phrase, but by the grace of God. Ron Cutter, I'm looking at you, is this, is this a phrase of Luther's? Of all of them. I mean, maybe that's why I've synthesized it. But I think here's the thing. If we can truly get this phrase in our heads, man, our communities will change, transform. But by the grace of God, and you see, dot, 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 whatever the issue is, by the grace of God, That would be me. By the, but by the grace of God, I'm not there. You know, but by the grace of God, I am here among you at this day. And Paul, throughout all of his letters, in fact, really the whole scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we get this idea that if the nation of Israel and if you and I, the people of God, if we call by God's name to understand the grace of God, life would be different. The nation of Israel wouldn't have to endure many of their things if they understood the grace of God. But by the grace of God, they were chosen. But by the grace of God, anyone and everyone is saved in Christ alone. By the grace of God, we can understand God's grace. We will turn away from the sin of pride and individualism. Paul talks here in the brothers and sisters. If or when someone is overtaken by sin, you who are filled with the Spirit should restore them how? With a humble spirit. Watching out or you too may be tempted. The sin of pride. If we don't understand, but by the grace of God, when I go and, and I see Noah doing something, Noah ought not do, and Noah knows it. I don't have to go, Noah, you're an awful human being. What is wrong with you today, boy? Everything. Everything's always been wrong. Not true. Jesus loves you. You know, I can come down as someone who's high up down below, or I can get down one-on-one. -on -one. And if I can say in my head first, but by the grace of God, that would be me, then maybe my attitude, my posture, my disposition to the person is not one of, why are you sinning, but one of the graces of God, I would be sinning too. Why can we serve a condition that Larry does so well, and I know we're going to do it every week, all right? Why can we serve at Wednesday night? Because by, by the grace of God, we would be there. But by the grace of God, I would need someone to come to my car and give me six meals. Because I'm going to eat two. Okay? I realized my math wasn't going to get this week. All right? Six. You know, but by the grace of God, that would be me. And that keeps me from having the sin of pride. I'm better than the little girl. 
or at least I'm not them. Or how dare they? Don't they know better? Haven't they been taught? Has anybody who's been around kids or bad kids or those of you who have grandkids, those of you who have great grandkids, you know sometimes you can teach them all they want, doesn't mean you get it. And it's very easy at times to be reminded of, we can look at others and pause it over and over. Now, he who thinks they're much to take stock in themselves, to see that you're not something you are. You only deceive yourself if you think you're better than someone else. And they're opening verses. He's having the pride in his mind. Each one, verse 4, should re-examine their own works. And you can take pride alone in yourself and not comparing yourself to others. If we do this, we know. We look at someone else's car, house, collection of books, technology, grades. I've always uh, told Josiah and Eliana they're not their brother. Okay? Why? Why? Because you're the oldest. You blaze the trail. You set the standard. That's sis. No, she's behind you. No. She plays with lots of things. Daniel, here's what I mean by that. You're really good at lots of things, aren't you? School comes easy for you, doesn't it? You do really well in school, don't you? Yeah. You talk a lot in school, don't you saying no? No. Right? Daniel does. But Josiah isn't Daniel. And my job as a parent is not to say, Josiah, why aren't you like your brother? Uh, he's older. He's older. Right? <laughs> 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 Smart. They take after their mother more ways than one. All right? But no, we can get into this. And you educators out there, you know, it's very easy. You have the kid from the same family, and you, you, you think they're going to be very similar, and then you find out they're not. I love that in my family. My brother set a standard. That was really easy for me to go over. Alright? And he just, he didn't apply himself. I'm not smarter than he is, I don't think. He just didn't apply himself. So when a teacher, he would do one way and the teacher would get me and I'm like, up here. And they're like, wow. I love it. My poor sister, they got held to that Standard. She had anxiety and probably undiagnosed mental health issues with attention. Okay? She couldn't meet this standard. And it frustrated her to no end. Discouraged her to no end. So I try to tell Eliana and Josiah, you're not your brother. Just because he's great at math doesn't mean you have to be. Do your best. I still am. So are you right? Alright? Do your best. Paul is saying the same thing. The sin of pride is we can easily compare one another. I'm better than they are. But by the grace of God, that would be me. We also go the other way. I'm worse than they are. 
I mean, I can look over him. Larry gets to golf any day he wants. Man, I'm all, I'm doing something wrong. I barely golf. You know, he can do whatever he wants, and I can compare, and I can find myself to be little. But Paul is saying that's a sin. Of, that's a sin of pride as well. Both of it is a sin of individualism. Of it. It's about me. And Paul says it isn't. Check yourself, but carry one another's burdens. What does he mean by that? It's the idea of I understand that I'm called collectively to the community of God. That when something is going wrong, when Dan has an issue that's beyond his carrying, carrying of sin, the burden of life that just comes upon him, I'm supposed to go shoulder to shoulder with him. Actually, I'd have to go up, he'd have to come down, whatever the case may be. You know, stand on the stage. You know, I'll stand on the stage, he can stand right there, we're shoulder to shoulder. And if you do that, then we can carry a whole lot, but half on my shoulder, half on yours. And that's what he's talking about. And I've got to realize that I am not accountable to one another. I'm not an island of my own. See, the Christian faith, sometimes we get this idea that it's just me and Jesus. That's a great sentiment. But it's an awful theology, a way of thinking about Scripture and God. Paul, never imagine that you would be saved and then just go do your own thing as long as you and Jesus were there. Over and over again, he talks about the love, the law of Christ, the love of Christ, the love of the law. Love your neighbors, love God, and love your neighbors as yourself. Which means, as one writer I read this week, I think it's Scott McKnight, he said this, not only do you have to be a neighbor to somebody, you have to let a neighbor be that to you. I must swallow my pride in individualism. So that Larry can be my name. So he can fulfill the law of Christ. If I keep him at an arm's length, I am, I am doing a detriment to myself and to him. We are the people collectively of God. Why do we need to remind us? Because God is the judge. He says here in, in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be fooled. His, his words here, he has this idea of the future that is coming where God will judge the world. And he cannot, will not be fooled. See, we can fool one another. We can fool ourselves into thinking we are something. But God will, in the final days, give a true, we will give a true account of what we've done, how we've treated others, and whether or not we try to make a fool of them. On Palm Sunday, they praised the Lord coming on the dawn. It would reveal in time whether or not they were serious, whether they would understand what they were really doing. But Jesus wasn't fooled by what was happening. He had an intent the whole time. He knew what was going. See, we can get so caught up in end times where we're so looking forward to the future, and it's important to study about the future. Okay? Uh, I, you know, that's one area that in, in the future I will study more. Some of you will get the pun with that. All right? 
You know, it's important. But we get so caught up on what God is trying to deal with, the fact that the whole world will be judged, and we forget that we will be judged even as believers. What will we get in, as I call it, or the phrase, is by the skin of our teeth. Paul says elsewhere, all our works will be put in the refiner's fire. Some burnt up, others last. We will receive a reward. This is why he goes on to say, don't lose the enthusiasm in doing good, for you will reap what you sow. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary, some translations have it. Because see, if God is the judge, if God is noticing, if God is going to reveal all things one day, then, then I can persevere because he's taking notice of what happens. He says if you read from the life of the Spirit, you will gain eternal life. Persevere in doing good to all. There's a couple of ways I take the word weariness this morning. There's a weariness that is physical. Our young mothers get You wake up every three, four, if you're lucky, you get six hours at some point in time, and you're weary. But you still go on doing things that others do. You continue to persevere. For others, there's a weariness of motion, mental, a weariness of does it matter? Is anything I do worth it? And both we must be cautious of. I mentioned earlier that, that one of the things I'm doing later today and tomorrow is uh, we as a family get away real quick. And I hope to take care of some of my physical feelings. Okay. I, I sleep, but I don't sleep. Okay. You know, I joke with Tara. I mean, this is spring break. Everyone else is going out and about. What am I going to do this week? I got a couple special services. All right. I got another funeral. Six for you. And, and I did the math today. In 16 months, I've had 26 years. Okay. Uh, I, I joke with Shannon George, I'm going to change my name to Pastor Death and Death Pastor. <laughs> and you say, well, just say no, right? Just stop, right? Just, just, just tell somebody else no. I don't say that word well. I, I get it. But part of it is also the thing is, I gotta persevere in doing good to all because you know what? I I preach to all that the gospel is for everyone, right? Alright? I preach to us as a church that we ought to go out in our community and be the hope and be the light in the darkness, right? Well, what good would it be if I preached that and then I sat in my office or stayed in bed? When I am uniquely qualified and called to step into those moments, what would we call myself that? A hypocrite. And rightfully so. You are called to stand at the head of a casket. 
and pronounced words that almost every Carolina do, ashes to ash, dust to dust. David, that's not your call, is it? If you want it to be, I can, I can pick you out Tuesday. Now, okay, that's the unique call I have. This is how I can do good to all. That's my call. It's not necessarily your call to hear the stories I hear every week from people within our church and our community and beyond. But it's mine. And I can do this and you can persevere on because you can know that God notices you and the word you use. Rodney Madison, why can you make cards upon cards upon cards upon cards? Because you know what? God notices that you make cards upon cards upon cards upon cards. And there's a little kid in Africa or East Asia or somewhere <laughs> playing with a little wooden car. Maybe the wheel fell off. But they're loving it because you persevered in doing good. Sue Clutter, why can you send out cards and barbie the same way? Why can you send out cards and, and call our shut-ins and write them notes and pray the prayers? Not because someone else is going to notice, but God notices. And you can persevere in doing that every single week that the Lord will go, I know this what you're doing, Sue. And I can. Why can Jeff count the money every single week? It's not just fun. So it is, right? You know. Because he's uniquely called to do that work. And God notices. God notices if he takes a penny. I don't think he's ever taken a penny that wasn't his. So God will see it. And God notices that he does it. And he perseveres through. Carol White and he sit and help teachers and listen to the stories you hear as a ministry. It ain't fun. Someone some uses a glass. Because God notices. But we got to be careful that we guard against the weariness Physically, mentally, and emotionally. And this is where we carry one another's burdens. He goes on to say, you know, that every, uh, that every, that the student should share in the work of the instructor. Reminds us that we need one another. Now, Paul had two, I think at least two things in mind. One, he was talking financially. And I don't talk enough about finances right here. If you're a visitor or guest, don't worry, I don't talk a lot about it. Okay? It's just, I don't. Alright? You can pick up a report on the back table. Jeff prepared it. I will tell you, you all do wonderful in sharing of your financial resources so we can do this. Wonderful. In my six and a half years, I don't think I've ever worried about whether or not we would have money. We've always come through plus. It's a brilliant and a blessed thing. You, we need one another, and I think Paul also meant a little more than just that. I think we need to share the blessings we get from being instructed in the Word. You know, one of the reasons why we continue to teach every single Wednesday in many, many years, he taught in seminary and college, is because every so often somebody would tell a Dr. Clutter, because they gave him respect in those days, they just called Ron or maybe or whatever it is now. You know, Dr. Clutter. Something clicked when you spoke the way you did. Or a pastor would say, I learned something new. And so that would keep you going. It's my imagination with him. It would keep you going again and again and again. 
share the blessings one another. And so we fulfill the law of Christ. And as I come to the end, we see Paul kind of take over his own writing. He used a secretary. He, even Paul had a secretary. Alright? It was not uncommon. But then he says in verse 11, see what large letters I write this way. You go, well, what, is this, what does this mean? And if not today, that's like um, the old days of Pat's Law. Okay? Of gold. Of italicized. It was his way of saying, this is really me here. Alright? He said that for emphasis. As he goes on to say, those who would be impressed in the flesh, they have motives, but they really don't want to, nor need to. They just want to brag about what they can do to you. And Paul says, if you want to brag, if anyone wants to brag in the body, I got more marks than what they are having to do. Okay? But he says it's not about who you were, but it's about who you are now. Are you a new creation of Christ? Are you in Christ? Because if you were in Christ, your past matters, but no longer defines you. Christ defines you. And that can be scary for some of us that have had good lives in the past. But the question is, does Christ define you now? Because he will also define your future. And he says, because we are new creations in Christ, may it never be that I boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Where do you take pride? I submit to you, we only take pride in the cross of Jesus. Because he said, I have been crucified to the world, and the world crucified to me. What does it mean? There's a break. The Gospel of John says, we are in the world, but not of the world. And this is the point Paul is making. Where do you take pride? I can take pride in many things. I got three really smart kids by the grace of God. I married up when I married my wife by the grace of God. I mean, there's a lot of truth that she showed me out of her church, all right? She was picturing the doctor when she came along. That's right. I mean, some of the trouble, but isn't that true? You know? And, and she even gave me the ring that said, give it back to me. All right? I mean, teachers, boys, you three, because no, I, I kind of adopted you. You got to pay all benefits, though, okay? You pay all expenses under the benefits, all right? All right? Find yourself a girl that gives you the ring to give back. Hello. Now, I took it made it us. I took that ring and made it us. It's not the same. Picture of Christ, but by the grace of God, that would be. I can take pride in some of the things that we as a church have experienced over these past six years. But by the grace of God, not because of me and you, but we had our hand. When we submit to the Lord, God bless us. As we will talk about on Thursday, I believe. When we remain in Christ again and again, we will bear much fruit. But you know what? None of that compares to the pride of the cross. To 
by the grace of God, I deserve nothing. Because God cannot be poor. I do a lot of things that I mentioned. When I'm there, I don't know many of them where they are. They could have fooled me. They could have fooled all of us. They could have looked the part that God did before. Or they may not have looked the part. They may have not have acted the way. And so I can look at them, and if I'm not careful, my pride will set in and go, I bet I know where they are. They had their choice. Sorry to do them now. They met their maker. But by the grace of God, so be I. And so my challenge to those of you who don't know Jesus, take the cross upon you and be a new creation today. The name of Jesus is a wonderful, beautiful, powerful name that gives you newness of life. For those of you who do know Jesus, may your calm Sunday worship lead you to surrender and put the cross of Jesus from this we must surrender again and again. See, we can sing Hosanna on Sunday. We can sing Hallelujah. We can praise Jesus' name on Sunday all we want. But if we're not surrendering the rest of the week, God cannot be mocked. He cannot be fooled. He will not. I may not. You may not. I, can't, I might be able to fool you, but I cannot fool the Lord. So the only way we do this is by leading ourselves not just in worship, but in surrendering to one another and to the Lord. But coming back to the cross again and again. And it will be there at the cross where we will find light, where we will find hope, where we will find grace, where we will know that what we do matters. Because the Lord knows so may our worship this Sunday lead us to surrender. Because at the cross of Jesus, we're all on the ground. At the cross of Jesus, there, 